is Murder, She Wrote podcast. It's a Cabot Cove episode. Jessica has to solve the murder of a local artist. And a very strange Cabot Cove episode, I have to say. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Murder, She Wrote podcast where I watch every single episode of the hit 80s slash 90s show Murder, She Wrote. Starring three-time Academy Award nominee and six-time Tony Award winner Miss Angela Lansbury. Today I'm going to be talking about season three, episode 17. Simon says, color me dead. Air date March 1st, 1997. The description on IMDb reads... Jessica investigates when an artist is murdered and his prized painting is missing. As always, I spoil everything there is a spoil about the murderer, the suspect, everything in between. So if you've not recently seen this episode and you were having some murder she wrote withdrawals, you can watch this episode one of four ways. If you own the DVDs like I do, get out your season three disc set, insert disc five to your DVD player, and this is the first episode on that disc. If you don't own the DVDs, you can stream all 12 seasons of Murder, She Wrote on the Roku channel, as well as the the four TV movies that preceded Murder, She Wrote when it ended in 1996. Seasons 1 through 5 are also streaming for free on Freebie, formerly IMDb TV app. And all 12 seasons are also streaming on NBC's Peacock app, but you will have to shell out $4.99 a month to be able to watch it. I'm sorry, but it's true. So, as I said in my intro, this is a very bizarre episode of, Mur- of Murder, she wrote, set in Cabot Cove. Not bizarre in the sense that uh, it's like crazy or whatever. It just is kind of weird, the way that it's written and everything, and I will explain. But before I get into the episode... I want to extend my condolences to the Aniston family. Jennifer Aniston's father, John Aniston, recently passed away. Um, He was known for being Victor Kyriakis on Days of Our Lives since, uh, I believe, either the late 1970s or, or early 80s, something to that effect. Very big, prominent character. Um, who was married to Maggie on the show. Very, very tremendously awesome actor. May he rest in peace. We are just losing legends left and right. And Kevin Conley, I think that was his last name, who recently also passed away, who was the voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series and various other things throughout my childhood. May they both rest in peace. Um, and also, I am so sorry that I didn't mention it in my last episode. Happy Veterans Day. Um, I, when I recorded the last episode, I did not realize what date it was because this month is just going really fast for me, at least it seems. Um, so happy Veterans Day. Thank you so much for defending, um, our country, whether you are doing it, um, currently or you you were in world war one or two or any of the wars thank you so much for your service if you happen to be a veteran and listening 
I am saluting you right now as I say this. Happy Veterans Day and thank you so much for your service. And just in case I don't get an episode out, which I am trying to push as many episodes out as possible because, you know, it's the end of the year and I do not want to have a whole year stuck on season three. But uh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, the things that I'm thankful for are my best friends, Michelle, Jennifer, Jennifer's children, Xander and Adrienne, as well as my best friend, Faye, my Aunt Emma. I'm thankful for all of them in my life. I'm thankful that I have a roof over my head and, and food in my house and clothes on my back and a bed to sleep in. Um, and I'm thankful for you, dear listeners, for continuing to listen to my podcast and supporting it as much as you have. It means the world to me. And I know I sound like a broken record when I say that all the time, but it is. Without you, I would not be able to keep going um, with this, without your support. Thank you so very much for listening. And I hope that you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving and you sit around your table and you say when th- Christmas really starts, in my opinion. But if you celebrate before that, you do you, boo. As they say, you do what you do. Whatever makes you happy makes you happy. But I am thankful for... I am. I also want to say I'm thankful for the creators of this show, Murder, She Wrote, and Angela Lansbury for creating such an iconic show that we still love and get to talk about. Um, in the coming days, they're talking about Twitter maybe shutting down. So hopefully you guys are like following because I don't know how that tells you when there's a new episode. I'm not entirely sure. And I always post it on Twitter. What I'm thinking of doing, and I haven't done it yet, is I'm thinking of making maybe like a page on Facebook called the Murder, She Wrote Podcast fan page. And I will post in there when I, when I drop a new episode i'm thinking of doing that um but so far twitter seems to be intact i don't really understand what's going on but uh i'm thinking of making a fan page so maybe we can go in there and we can like discuss the episode i'm discussing i wish i had done that all along but i didn't think about it until you know right this minute so I'll look into how how to do that because, you know, technology is kind of, sometimes I can figure it out and sometimes I can't. <laughs> but uh, I'll look into that and I'll let you know when I, when I do it and I'll post the link when I do do it. I'm not doing it right now. It's not up right now, so don't go looking for it. But I'm going to look into how to make a fan page and all that stuff. And, uh, and then... Uh, I'll let you know if it goes live, if I decide to do it. You know, just in case Twitter is not not around anymore, which would be weird because that's where we get all our news and we know what's trending going on in the world. It would be weird not having it. But then again, it was weird not having MySpace. I know, showing my age, aren't I? Um, but then Facebook came along and it was better than MySpace. But who knows? We'll have to see what's going to happen. All right, so let's get into this crazy episode of Murder, She Wrote, because the way that it's written, 
Number one, there's no continuity between the other Cabot Cove episodes. No one seems to be concerned that, you know, there was a driverless station wagon mowing people down, uh, that a bunch of people got poisoned by strawberry preserves, that there was a woman who allegedly hung herself in a tree in front of her house and it turned out that the realtor was the killer. I mean, you would think that people would be talking about this stuff in Cabaco, but they're not. It's as if none of those things have happened. No guy died when they were trying to build a hotel. I mean, geez. So we start out this episode, Jessica goes to the local bookstore, which is run by Simon Thayer, who also happens to be a local artist. And I didn't recognize any of the guest stars except for Tess Harper, who's been in various things. And I think I recognized another person. But other than that, I don't really, I didn't really recognize some of these people. Anyway... Um, we get introduced to his wife, Eleanor, who comes into the bookstore to get a copy of Jessica's book, which I've seen before, but I don't, I can't quite make out what the name of it is. Anyway, Simon has been sort of antisocial working on a really big painting and hasn't revealed what it is to any of his friends, including Jessica. So Eleanor decides to have a dinner party that night and invites Jessica to go along. We, of course, seen the bookstore before, but we've never actually been inside it. I think this is the first episode that we see the bookstore. So we go, we cut to Jessica has to go to Amos's office. And we get introduced to Irene Rutridge and her son, Tommy. They're in the police station returning a bike that Tommy found behind the softball field. And a woman is in there. Um, whose name I don't know, who is saying that Irene is trash and if you keep letting people like her and no one's going to want to live here. Um, lady, there have been multiple murders in Cabot Cove. I'm pretty sure that's why a lot of people don't live there. But I guess you all don't speak of that. Basically, Amos defuses the situation by saying that Tommy obviously returned the bike, he did not steal it, and had no intention of keeping it. And the woman walks off angry, and Irene and Tommy leave. Jessica then tells Amos that, I don't know, the committee meeting has been moved or something. And then she says, you know what? I have this old bike of Frank's that that I, that's been gathering dust in the garage. Maybe I ought to give it to Tommy. So either that same day, I'm assuming it's the same day, Jessica goes over with Frank's bike and offers to give it to Tommy. 
Irene immediately shuts down the situation and is like, we're not, we don't accept charity. Which I would not consider someone giving a bike to someone charity, but okay. Jessica then rephrases herself and says, well, I want Tommy to work in my garden and maybe I can give him the bike in exchange for his work. So I'll leave it here so he can ride the bike over my house and work in my yard. So Tommy is, of course, really, really happy about that. So then we cut to the dinner party. At the dinner party, we get introduced to Carol and George Shelby, as well as Felix Crim Crimshaw, who is... um. I don't know, like, like an art, uh, expert or something. This episode reminded me so much of season one's Paint Me a Murder, only with a different plot and set in Cabot Cove. Well, they have dinner and Carol comes across as this really, I don't know, educated beyond her years the way that she talks the way she says things um she seems very interested in simon and simon says <laughs> which is so funny <laughs> simon says we all know that game that we played when we were kids weird game but uh simon says you know that he's been working on the painting and He's thinking of retiring, and Felix says, Well, when you die, your art will be far will be far more uh worth better when you're dead or something, so I guess you've painted enough to where you can retire, which I don't understand that. Like how can your art be better when the artist is dead versus if the artist is alive? Why I just don't get that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, he announces that him and his wife, Eleanor, are going to go on a trip. Carol seems to react really weird to this, and we find out that Irene is like, I don't know if she's the cook or the maid or exactly what she's supposed to be, but she's there. And we also see a strange man outside in a truck it looks like a creepy homeless dude with a beard and he's just in the shadows acting strange well later that night a deputy is in his police car felix takes jessica home because he's staying at hill house the local hotel and a deputy's in his car for some reason, just sitting there eating a sandwich. No reason or explanation is given. He sees that Irene is walking down the road. She goes to her house and it appears that she has blood on her skirt. Tommy wakes up and asks her if she's okay and asks her if, she's blood, if it's blood. She yells at him, says she's okay, and tells him to go back to bed. The next day... Simon is found dead with a knife plunged into his heart. Jessica is there along with Amos and along with Seth. 
and Seth is not featured in this episode, only in two scenes. He doesn't help Jessica solve the crime, or Amos. He has no dialogue whatsoever with Amos in their usual banter, which is why I say it's weird. Anyway, they notice that the painting he was working on is missing. There's no paints on the easel. Then Angela Lansbury um, delivers a very awesome sort of mini monologue, mini speech, where she says, your husband dies and you're left with all his things and you don't quite know what to do with them. He's gone and you're left behind and you have to figure out what to do with it. Do you throw it away or do you keep it, knowing he'll never come back to use them again? And I feel that way about, about my father. You know, I miss him so much, especially now that it's coming up on the holidays. You know, I would give anything to see him again. But I know I will someday, just hopefully not anytime soon. But anyway, she talks to uh, Eleanor, and Eleanor says that she went to bed early, that Elaine was still there, and they decide to go interview her. The deputy then explains that he saw Irene leaving around 1.30 when she says she left around 12. That same strange guy comes to her house and says that he does odd jobs, and introduces himself to Jessica by saying his name is Cash Logan. And they bring him into Amos's office, and he is has a ripped-up painting in the back of his truck. It looks as if someone was posing nude for Simon. But this kind of seemed kind of weird because Simon paints seascapes, meaning uh, pictures of the ocean and various things of that magnitude, which we see throughout the entirety of the episode, which I wonder who did some of those because they were beautiful. Anyway, they also find sketches of Elaine in his studio and... They wonder if she's telling the truth. All arrows are pointing to her being the new model. Eleanor doesn't understand, as, as I said before, Simon only does beach scenes and sea scenes and all that. He's not the type of person that um, paints the, you know, nude bodies of women or anyone. So she wonders who was posing for him. And everyone thinks that it's Elaine. But Elaine says that she did not pose for him. And they feel as if she's holding something back. Well, Amos has no choice. Eventually they go to... Sorry, I'll get to that. Uh, they go to... Or Tommy comes in and, and basically lets it slip about the blood on her skirt. Um, so they take the the skirt and have it run for DNA to find out if the blood matches Simon's. 
They go to Seth's office and Seth says, well, there's only one thing I can tell you. He was killed instantly to, with the knife to his heart. And that is Seth's last scene. There's no argument between him and Amos as is usual. You know, he always argues with them when he says something different. But this one seems to be straightforward and Seth is gone for the rest of the episode. So then Amos gets a call and the blood on the skirt is in fact Simon's. So all arrows point to Elaine. Then when going through Elaine's fingerprints, Amos finds out that she's not who she says she is and she has no legal claim to Tommy. Amos begins, takes, uh, first Jessica takes Amos, or takes Tommy in, but then eventually he goes and stays with Amos. Amos feels a fatherly bond to the boy and cannot believe that Elaine has been lying. First, Elaine clarifies why the blood was on the skirt. She claims that she went into uh, Simon's studio and found, and found him already dead. And she took the sketches with her because they were hers and Simon wanted her to have them. He just hadn't gotten around to giving them to her. So his blood must have gotten on her skirt. The other thing is she explains that her friend was Eleanor and her friend had Tommy and had no relatives or anyone to claim the baby. So she took on her friend's identity and Tommy and fled. And they've been moving from one place to the next, scared that someone's going to find out that she's not who she says she is. Jessica turns to George. Or Felix comes and eventually decides to catalog all of Simon's work, even going as far as to putting his signature on several paintings so that they would sell more money. Jessica then thinks that this puts him as being a suspect, but he claims that he would not kill Simon as he's worth more alive than dead. Jessica then turns to George Shelby, who also happens to be a lawyer, and wants him to take Irene's case and to help figure out what to do with Tommy. Carol, of course, immediately tells him to take um, the case, and Jessica ends up riding in his car and gets paint on her jacket. She begins to put two and two together. Then when Amos and Tommy are playing football together, Cash randomly shows up, and Jessica thinks that this means that Cash is the boy's father. Cash says he's not, but he likes Irene a great deal. So he's not creepy after all, I guess. Anyway, Jessica, when going through the crime scene again, finds a lighter, a rare gold lighter, in a pocket of a smock. She wonders why it's there. George and Carol have quit smoking. But then Jessica goes over to George's house, intending to pin him as the killer. When she puts the, the lighter in the couch and pulls it out, he goes, oh, we were leaving them everywhere, but we don't smoke anymore. And then it all becomes clear. 
The killer turns out to be Carol. Carol was the one that was posing nude for Simon. She claims that she adored him, and I don't know if they had sex because she said something along the lines of what they had was beyond that, so I don't know. Then she realized that he didn't love her, and it was a fact, a farce, because he decided to take his wife on vacation and had no intention of leaving her. So, in a blind rage, after the party, she went and started to... um slash the painting that he had been working on. And I watched this episode twice, and I noticed something that I didn't notice the first time I watched it. When we have a flashback to her doing this, the painting is completely different than the painting that Cash found at the dump. The lady in the picture you can't possibly tell is her. The person in the painting is sitting down. The person in the painting before she slashes it is obviously standing up like she's in a shower or something. So they're not the same painting is what I'm getting at. Not that it matters. It's just something I noticed. But anyway, when she's slashing the painting, Simon comes in and tries to stop her. She confronts him about his behavior and why they did this. And he says that it was only for art or something to that effect. She gets angry and in a blind rage, stabs him through the heart and runs out. In regards to Irene and Tommy, Amos is like, what do I do? She has no real claim to him. Jessica says, well, you might want to develop amnesia. And Amos says, well, that would save me on paperwork. And that's the end of the episode. And honestly, I have to say, you know, but I have to say that, you know, this episode is not your typical Cabot Cove episode. Uh, Seth is barely in it. Amos is not, like, barking at what Jessica has figured out. He's also letting her solve the crime practically without him. And it just doesn't make any sense. Also, I don't understand Carol's motivation. Like, she knew he had a wife, and they'd been married for a long time. Why would she think that anything different was going to happen? And also, you know, what was the whole, like, was Cash supposed to be a red herring to make you think he was the killer? It just doesn't make any sense. And then Irene is an Irene, and Tommy isn't her son. Amos, Seth, and Jessica to solve the crime together. But it was a weird crime. You know, like, who's gonna be running the bookstore now? And that's yet another resident of Cabot Cope that's died, and I can't even count on my fingers and toes how many people have died. But anyway, in Cabot Cove, that is. But anyway, let's go over the guest stars. Oh, wait. One more thing before I do. So, I watched the very first episode of The Law and Harry McGraw, which is called Dead Men... Tail no tales. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I watch something, I want it to be like Murder, She Wrote, where I don't know who the killer is. It, is, it was very hard for me to get into Columbo because you already know who the killer is when the, when the movie or episode or whatever it is starts. And you're waiting for Columbo to figure it out. 
Why? This is so obvious. And I don't like things like that because I like to figure it out as the detective is figuring it out. I don't want to know ahead of time who killed it, killed the person, because it just ruins it. And unfortunately, this is what they did with the law and Harry McGraw. Basically, um, it is so not anything like the backdoor pilot. Like I said, I thought it was set up to where Harry would solve crimes with Lieutenant Casey, but they bring in Barbara Babcock, who plays this prim and proper lawyer who for some reason is dressed in various white clothes in this pilot episode. Don't ask me why. But the episode starts with William Alder Alderton, who was is famous for being in the first Ghostbusters, who releases the ghosts into New York, which causes the problems for the climax of the film. And it was in that iconic scene, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, always playing jackasses. Um, he was also in Die Hard, where he played the detective that really went above and beyond, or not a detective, but a reporter who went above and beyond exposing um, who Bruce Willis's character was, including his wife. And basically almost causing her death and also putting her children on television to say goodbye to their dad, which was absolutely horrible for him to do. So she punches him towards the end of the movie, which I was like, yeah, you go, girl. And of course, he guest starred on Murder, She Wrote um, as the murderer in Love in the Afternoon. So here he is again playing yet another murderer. And another jackassy character where he basically decides to set up, like, I guess him and his partner are having a hard time with their business. So he decides, since the, his partner's wife is, like, rich or whatever, to come up with a plan to basically kidnap her. Um, they plan it all out, all the last detail, and at the end last possible second he turns on his partner and kills him so um the wife is framed for her husband's murder even though his partner did it um it's implied that barbara babcock's character and harry mcgraw are dating it's really weird um, she wants him to go to some party to celebrate an anniversary. Um, Peter Graves is also in this episode. And it happens to be his daughter that gets accused of the murder. And of course, we already know who the murderer is. So I'm kind of like, I was like, all of it was kind of dumb. And then when Barbara Babcock goes to the, to the party... When she takes off her coat, it looks like she's literally wearing lingerie, something that Blanche would wear to go to bed. It just made no sense. There's even a scene where she's playing croquette, um, and she's wearing a white dress with a white hat. I mean, it just did not make any sense, and it didn't want to. It didn't make me want to watch the other episodes or even watch it until I got to the end to figure out how Harry McGraw figured out that William was the killer. It was boring. 
But there is an episode where George George Clooney guest stars, and I think there's an episode of Murder, She Wrote where George Clooney guest stars. I think it's the next one, which I'm really excited about. But let's go. But honestly, I didn't want to do a separate episode and talk about a bonus episode and talk about that because I just, I didn't like it. And I can understand why it did not last as long as Murder, She Wrote did. And thank God that, you know, it didn't because Jerry got to go on to play Lieutenant Bisco on Law and Order, on the original Law and Order, which he has greatly missed. I, I really would love, wish he was still alive so he could be on the new Law and Order. But anyway, I didn't care for it. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say don't watch it, but if you're curious, go ahead and search it. It's on YouTube, The Law and Harry McGraw. All right, let's go with the guest stars on here. Okay. Diane Baker played Eleanor. And she looked kind of familiar to me. But I'm not sure. She could have been on a soap or something. She's still with us. She's known for Marty, 1964, The Prize, 1963, The Silence of the Lambs, 1991, and The Cable Guy, 1996. Last known credit is 2013, The Surrogate, a TV movie. She was in Lie to Me, Unscripted, A Mighty Wind, Law and Order, SVU, ER, could be ER, I don't know. The Nanny, About Sarah TV movie. That was a good movie. The Net, A Walton's Wedding. And it could be Signs to the Lambs, but I didn't really... That was a hard movie to watch. Fantasy Island, Trapper John M.D., the Love Boat, Policewoman, Marcus Welby, M.D. Oh. I'm guessing this is her last episode of Murder. This is her only episode of Murder, she wrote. Oh, no. Okay, sorry, guys. This new page where they show, you know, what they've been in. Well, she'll be in another ep two other episodes of Murder She Wrote, one in episodes or one in season seven and one in season nine. So we'll go over more of her guest starring roles then. Sorry, it's hard to get used to this new page that they put on here for the actors. I wish they'd just go back to the original. Stop messing up stuff. Foster Brooks played our murder victim, Simon. He died in 2001. I don't know how old he was. But he lived a really long life. He was born in 1912. He's known for The Villain, 1979, Oddballs, 1984, 
Mork and Mindy, 1991, and the Dean Martin Celebrity Roast of Lucille Ball. Last known credit, Cosby. The Munsters Today. This is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. The new Mark Hammer. Small Wonder. Cannibal Run 2. Quincy M.E. Today's FBI. BJ and the Bear. Fantasy Island Policewoman. Startsky and Hutch. Dean's Place, which was, I guess, a special with Dean Martin show. Here's Lucy. Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Death Valley Days, The Flying Nun, The Monkeys, Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, and his first credited role was in The Munsters in 1965. You go, sir. All right, our murder victim, who seemed to uh, be familiar to me, uh, is played by Anne Dusenberry. I hope I said her last name right. If I didn't, I apologize. She's still with us. She's known for Life with Lucy, Heartbeat 1980, Cutler's Way, and Jaws 2. That's where I saw her from, Jaws 2. And I think she was in another episode of Murder, She Wrote, besides this one. Last known credit, Roaring Camp. I have no idea. She was in Designing Women, Jack, Jake and the Fat Man. And yes, she was in another episode of Murder, She Wrote. And season two, Murder by Appointment Only as Elizabeth Gordon. This is her final episode of Murder, She Wrote. She should have been in more stuff, more episodes. Really interesting character. She played a murder victim in Murder by Appointment Only and then a killer in the second episode. Isn't that interesting? She also was on Simon and Simon, Remington, Steel, Hill, Castle, and McCormick, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, a TV show, Trapper John M.D., Magnum P.I., Elvis and the Beauty Queen. That was a TV movie. Uh, Buck Rogers in the 20th Century. Little Women. In the miniseries as Amy. Um, Jaws 2 is Tina in 1978. Eight is Enough. Goodbye Franklin High. The Possessed. Emergency. McLeod. Six Million Dollar Man. And White Line Fever was her first credited role in 1975. Good for you. Yeah, she was really good in Jaws, too. Uh, Felix, the art critic, was played by Leonard Frail. Frey? Frey, yeah, Frey. Uh, he died in 1988, so I bet you this is his only episode of Murder, she wrote. I don't know how old he was. He is known for Fiddler on the Roof, 1971, The Magic Christian, 1969, The Boys in the Band, 1970, and Murder, She Wrote. Last known credit, The Magical World of Disney as Walter Witherspoon.
He was also in two episodes of Moonlighting, 11 episodes of something called Mr. Sunshine. He was in something called The Sound of Murder, but it doesn't say what he played. Trapper John M.D., uh, Barney Miller, Heart to Heart. Quincy and Me, Age is Enough, Philip and Barbara, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Medical Center, Shaft, Mission Impossible, uh, the comic NYPD, and his first known credit is The Fat Black Pussycat in 1963, but it doesn't say who he played. Well, he was really good in this episode. Too bad. He couldn't be in more. Tess Harper played Irene. Alright, here we go. She's still with us. She is known for No Country for Old Men, 2007. Crimes of the Heart, 1986. Tender... Mercenaries, 1983, and The Jackal, 1997. Uh, last known credits are almost completely true story of this year. So she is still acting. So we shall see if she's in more episodes of Murder, She Wrote. She was on Criminal Minds. Love Criminal Minds. Such a great show. Um, let's see. Grey's Anatomy, Law and Order SVU, Ghost Whisper, Brothers and Sisters, Without a Trace, Judging Amy, Angel in the Family, that was a good thing. One Tree Hill, The Division, CSI, Oh, she was in Beyond the Prairie, the, the true story of Laurie Ingalls Wilder in 1999 as the narrator. Walker, Texas Ranger. Grace Under Fire. Uh, lots of TV movies of the week. She was in The Man on the Moon, Reese Witherspoon's first movie. 30-something. Uh, oh, this is her only episode of Murder, she wrote. Well, that's sad. L.A. Law, The Twilight Zone, Promises to Keep. Mm. Silkwood, I love that movie. So good. And her first credit was Kentucky Woman, a TV movie in 1983. Good actress, good actress. Seen her in multiple things. Uh, Steve Inward played Cash. And I don't think he was in a lot of stuff because he doesn't even have a profile picture. He's known for Staying Alive, 1993, which was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Uh, Valley of the Dolls, 1981. 
fame, 1980, in Medlock. Last known credit, uh, murder one. There's something else, but I can't say. Oh, uh, he will be in three, two other episodes of Murder, She Wrote. Um, the other ones will be in season six and season 11. So we'll go over more of his career guest starring roles then. Alright, um, let's see. Uh, George Shelby was played by uh, Dick Sargent, and I think he was the first person to play Darren on Bewitched. He died in 1994. At the age of 64. Yep. He was on Bewitched from 1969 to 1972 in 84 episodes. Down to Earth in 93 episodes of his TV show. Operation Petticoat, 1959. And the, the C-L-O-N-U-S Horror, 1979. I have no idea how to say that. Last known credit, Acting on Impulse. Okay, 1993. Columbo, Teen Witch, L.A. Law, and this is his only episode of Murder, She Wrote. So he was the first Darren on Bewitched. Knott's Landing, Different Strokes, Benson, Alice, The Yellow Rose, Family Ties, Taxi, Fantasy Island, Trapper John M.D., The Waltons, The Dukes of Hazard, Charlie's Angels, The Power Within, that's a TV movie, The Love Boat, Three's Company, Rich Man, Poor Man, miniseries, one and two, McMullen and Wife, Here's Lucy, Love American Style, Bewitched, The Outcast, Adam 12, I Dream of Jeannie, the Young Runaways, Daniel Boone, Wagon Train, Hazel, Alfred Hitchcock Hour, Gunsmoke, Death Valley Days, Loretta Young Show, Mardi Gras, um, movie, oh, Love Me Tender with uh, Elvis, but he was uncredited. And his first credited role, I Married Joan, TV series, 1954. Good for you, sir. And Chris Hubert played the role of Tommy. He's still with us. He is known for The Last Starfighter, 1984, Overworld, six episodes of a TV show, and Twilight Zone and Murder, She Wrote. He has only been in 23 different things. This is only episode of Murder, She Wrote, Small Wonder, The New Leave It to Beaver, Invaders from Mars, The Magical World of Disney, Airwolf, ABC After School Special, Robbie, um, Tales from the Dark, Selling Seth. 
but we don't have anyone else. But that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Um, this is not one of my favorite episodes. I mean, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, I think the next one's going to be great because uh, George Clooney guest stars in it. I peeked ahead because like, I couldn't remember, but I haven't seen the episode in a long time, so I'm, I'm really excited about that one. Um, anyway... Like I said before, I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm going to probably um, post a couple more episodes before then, but we'll see what happens. You just never know with me. Um, but I hope you have a great day, night, depending on whenever you listen to this. I still pray for peace for the world and happy crime solving, and I'll see you in the next one.